Hello, and welcome to another edition of This Time Around. I'm Debbie Hazelton, and today we will have a chat with Audrey Scott Williams and later with Karen Hunter Watson. And so you will be hearing this either uh, watching it on YouTube, on my channel, or hearing it as a podcast through Pinecast. Thanks so much for being here. There we go. There we go. Yay. Okay. It would help if I push the right keys. <laughs> yeah, that has a way of helping us out, huh? Yeah. All right. Yay. Here we are. It's so good to be with you. It's good to be here. How are you? I'm doing really, really well. We've um we just slowed down a little bit, which we needed, and uh relaxing and watching things happening around the world and trying to keep our our energy in the best place and being supportive especially in Hawaii uh, yes you know where the fires were it's right where we were the house that we were in uh was is ashes oh no oh no because it was the home of the worldwide indigenous science network and a lot of artifacts that you just you can't you can't get, you know, so all of that was destroyed. Oh, no. More, more important, what we can do to help people now. How can we, what can we do? So, so we've been just, you know, uh, in that space a, a bit as we are also uh, carving out what's ours to do now. Yeah. Any idea what that is? Well, lots of our ideas. main focus is on the Redemption Voyage. Our major work, uh, Karen's personal work, is getting her music out, her CD out uh, uh, to the world. And um, as we do that, we are, you know, doing a lot of uh, opportunities to talk and do different presentations in different places. So, yeah, you know, that's kind of it. Keeps us busy 24-7, I'll tell you that. Oh, I have no doubt. I yeah. have no doubt that you're always, you've always got that, uh, that possibility of being busy 24 seven. Yeah, we love it. Yeah. But we did yeah. take time for rest because, of, you know, as we are moving through all these things that are present now, you know, I think it's very important you play hard and rest hard. The body absolutely needs rest, a very important part of how spirit works through. Absolutely, Debbie. But I'm really excited to be talking with you today and, and have this chance for us to commune and see what we can stir up. <laughs> Me too. And yeah, there are some things that people talk about. And, you know, I know I have my take, but the more that I know that and the more that I hear some of what people say, the more that I think, yeah, it would be really good to to get your take on some of these things. Oh, well, thank you. Well, let's yeah. take it on. Well, one of them is about ego. I hear a number of people say that, and particularly people who have had experience in Eastern spirituality, that they think the importance is to get rid of ego. And, um, you know, I come from a psych background that says there's a such thing as healthy ego and there's unhealthy ego. What do you think? 
Oh, that's a great question. Debbie. <laughs> um, I think that we have an ego because there's a purpose for it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I kind of follow in your footsteps there. I believe that there's a healthy ego, but there's also a time when ego steps beyond its, <laughs> beyond mm -hmm. its domain and we get confused about what is the ego and, and, and what is my divine purpose here? Um, I, I, I believe that the ego is framed so much by the experiences that we have in the world and could definitely impact what we are willing to do or not willing to do, who we choose to love, what we choose not to love, all of that, because it's trying to fulfill itself, you know, um, and, and I think we're in a time now where this is a really important time to me for humanity to begin to look at the role its ego is playing in terms of the decisions that are being made, not only about on a personal level, but what's what decisions we're making on a broader level, you know, a national, international level, uh, at this point, even a galactic level. Uh, what are the things that we do that uplift humanity? To me, that's always when I get very clear about what the ego is, is what I'm doing, what I'm saying, what I'm initiating. Is it lifting up the world? Is it better for the world that I'm doing that? Or is it creating a problem? But I also need to clarify that because when you are in that space of stepping beyond the ego, the ego has a way of creeping into a lot of things. So you have to do a lot of contemplation self and self-reflection. That's what I find is helpful for me. So I can just check myself. Uh, and then there's so much happening in the world right now and people are wanting to be a positive uh, force for change. And even in that, we have to make sure our head is in the right place and what we're calling for for change is it not only is it for my best interest, but is it for the best interest of, of the whole? I think that that's a balancing act. It's it's a there's never a clear line between the ego and the soul. You know, we, we are there's we just have to keep questioning ourselves and asking questions. You know, am I affecting the greatest good or am I hurt? Am I doing harm? You know? Well, sadly, I think there are a lot of people who believe they're doing the greatest good because they're sure they know what the greatest good is for the world. And they're out there trying really hard to control. Well, I, I think when they're in that space of controlling, any of us are in that space of thinking we have to control things. That's an indication right there that we're out of balance. Mm -hmm. so, to me, that's that's an indication because- I agree. You know, the, we, we're looking at, you know, this year, in the last few months, we've had over 500 laws uh, presented in various states across the nation that limit uh, uh, our rights, you know, wants uh, to roll back Roe versus Wade or some variation of that, uh, uh, making uh uh, the LGBTQ community, uh, a, a community that can't get married, that can't have certain rights, that can't exist, and even giving punishable, uh, um, you know, having punish a, a punitive effect. Uh, the 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 women's rights. Um, gosh, I could go on and on. Immigration, yeah. rights. and 
I, I don't know, you know more about what's happening with mm-hmm. abilities and 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 what whether there are things that have been uh, uh, supportive or non-supportive. I think the point that I'm trying to make here, Debbie, is we're, it appears that we are going back to this division and applying a measure of who has human rights and who shouldn't have human rights. Uh, and I, I believe that we're headed in a very dangerous uh, direction because if we, after a while, then whoever has that controlling, so-called controlling uh, power then begins to put us all in these silos. And, you know, the worst thing that could ever happen, you know, the big, well, I should say the best thing that happened for us over the last century or so is breaking free of the silos. We're all in this together. And Mm -hmm. I'm really concerned uh, about what's happening on a political level because it, it has a way of sparking uh, sometimes the the not so good part of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is scary stuff. Yeah. That is scary. And all the more that, you know, we, I mean, spirituality is an inside job. Yeah. It yeah. Is. Yeah. I, I also have, um, I've had talks with people, you know, years ago, I wrote a book on self-esteem and, and in it, I say, that I don't think there's any such thing as genuine self-love, like too much genuine self-love. Now, there are people out there that are behaving narcissistically who who are full of ego and they act like they think they love themselves and that they can do no wrong. I don't call that genuine self-love, but I think genuine self-love, there you can't really get too much of that. What do you think? Oh, I agree with that. And the more self-love, that genuine self-love we have, the greater perception we have for the world around us in also in a loving way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when we get uh, the opposite, it, it's sort of a, it's a very dangerous thing. So how do we balance it? I think becomes the question for me. You know, if I could share a quick story. And Please if, do. Yeah. I was in uh, Togo in West Africa. At a at a ceremonial gathering, and in this particular community, there was a young lady who uh, was what we would call would be par- we would recognize in our country as paralyzed, and she basically drug herself on the ground to all the different events and participated and and all of that, and all of the, the there were a few of us there from the Western world, from America and Europe, and our biggest thing was how can we get a wheelchair for her? And when that question was, and then we, they were, most of the people who are on the team, there were doctors and, and, you know, medical practitioners. Mm-hmm. So um, when we present, we decided, well, we're going to, we're going to put some money aside and we're going to have a wheel- wheelchair brought in for her. And um, so when we presented that to the chief, he's like, what for? And oh. what that made me so aware of, in their mind, they saw no difference between her and everybody else. Their, their, their impression was that everyone comes into the world to offer the world something. And it's very important that they have a chance to do that. So it was a different shift. I can't say I agree or disagree. I'm not saying it from that standpoint, but just the awareness 
that in this small tribal community, she was valued 100% and respected for who she was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and just, in fact, so much so they, they didn't recognize anything being wrong with her. They had, they had the hardest time trying to figure out what our team was talking about. So we could look at that in a number of different ways, of course. But I learned one of the biggest lessons I learned there, that we're all whole and complete just as we are. And, you know, uh, sure, we can make life better for each other in, in whatever way we may need it. But the basic lesson I learned from that was love is love. Yeah. And I've, I've, it's interesting because I've heard people say, I mean, I've heard other people like with disabilities say, I don't want to be treated special. I want to be treated just like everybody else. And my thing is, no, I don't want to be treated like everyone else. I want to be treated like me, which Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that I need to be special all the time, but it does mean that in a way, and I think some people don't like this about politically correct language. And I guess that, you know, that's another interesting topic and maybe it can go to extremes, but to really honor the experience of each other is something that I think often gets lost. Some, I mean, I wonder, did anybody ask her what she wanted? Did she want that wheelchair? Um, They asked her what she was part of the conversation and she just had a hard time trying to figure out what the problem was. Oh, yeah. So she was really used to what she did. Yeah, that was how yeah. that was all that she's ever known. And I think if I don't, I want to make sure I'm not putting this in there, but I think there was a statement made that until they brought that up, she never knew she was different. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, it's just it's just a perception. I mean, yeah. to me, I'm looking at this could make it your life easier for you, mm-hmm. more things and blah, blah, blah. But she did everything everybody else did. She just did it her way. So again, you know, I'm I'm like you, you know, I think it comes down to what is it that works for me and how do I honor mm-hmm. that in the choices I make and the relationships I have. And how do I communicate that to others? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure. And is it, and is it for everyone? What do we, what do we do today about politically correct language? Do you think that we've gone too far with it? Do you think that, you know, what do we do about that? Well, I personally am someone that doesn't like labels. I just don't like labels. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think that the rather than put an emphasis on what's pol- politically correct or not, I say, what's good for the soul? Is it okay. loving? Yeah. Do you, do you communicate in a right. loving way? Uh, and that way, you know, I think, you know, having said that, I also do acknowledge that we, you know, we need... We need a vocabulary in our country, maybe around the world, mm-hmm. that allows us to be more loving and kind in our relationships with each other. But if I just say this is politically incorrect, what I'm basically saying is change your language. I'm mm-hmm. not saying change your heart. 
Mm -hmm. I'd rather say, let's communicate in a loving and kind way because then I get to check in to me and say, you know, who am I? What is it that I'm putting out in the world? What are my values? And, and, you know, and then I stop looking for all the reasons I have to be different than you. I look at everything that makes us whole. Sure. And I can remember when I used to get in people's faces about, some of the ways they would say things. And I think sometimes that does more harm than good, but to be able to appreciate the good intention that is behind the words that people are saying, where they may not always know, they may not always mean what it is that they, how it comes off. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I am also glad that a lot of our language has become more inclusive. I mean, when I, when I hear only the the um, the proverbial he in a new thought church, mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm like whoa, you know that is one of the things that attracted me to new thought. Even in the in the 70s, I was like wow. I heard father mother, um, you know his her, and that was something that I really could appreciate. But that's still something that um, I. God, I think I heard it recently. I don't know if it was in our center or some somewhere. I heard it recently in a new thought center. I was like, wow. So, you know, I'm glad language has come further, but I also think to appreciate the good intentions that are behind it. And, yeah. and you know, for me anyway, not to take it so personally. Well, I, I you know, I think it's bigger than the word. And yeah. yes, we need to use words that are uh, affirming, uh, and, and sometimes, you know, when we haven't been around different groups, <clears throat> different, whether it's racial, whether it's abilities, whether it's male, female, whether it's LGBTQ, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. sometimes you don't know the language. And so mm-hmm. I think that when we just try to go for loving and kind, then what we're doing is acknowledging that there is this space that allows the goodness in us to come through. Now, having said that, I've been in situations where, uh, you know, when someone says something, it could be a a racial or cultural kind of statement that is really not is offensive to me. They have no idea. Uh, I have a responsibility to say something. And I, and, and I try to do that in the most positive way. It's, you know, sometimes you got to be a little stern, but in a positive way to, to say, that's not, that's not something that I find I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, I like that. yeah. And so mm-hmm. you want to phrase that in a way that would be comfortable for you, for me, here's how I would say that. Sure. I yeah. like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. I've had some conversations with some people who express themselves as atheists and Um, in fact, years ago, somebody came up to me once after I gave a talk and they said they really liked all of my ways of include inclusivity, inclusive language, but they felt I left out one group. And I, I said, who was that? And they said, oh, atheists. So lately I've been having some conversations with atheists and I've often felt that as, you know, it's sort of like the blind men and the elephant as we remember that maybe the elephant is greater than the sum of all of its parts, 
that there is a place for mm, a rightness, even within the point of view of atheists. What do you think? You know, <laughs> that's an interesting question. One of the most spiritual persons I ever met was an atheist. Mm -hmm. uh, he was the most loving and kind person. He was uh, he was so into nature. He was, you know, he did. Gosh, he was more disciplined in his spirit, in his atheism than anybody I know in in, um, you know, in their God. God. Mm -hmm. um, and what made that true is that he believed in. Everything that was beyond, you know, everything was was here. It was up to him how he, re, you know, how he reacted and, and interrelated with everything in life and nature. Mm -hmm. So he was very aware of what he did. And yet he didn't believe yeah. there was a, a, a God in the sense that we would. He believed that this was the natural order of things. But he also believed there was a an opportunity for him to be the best person that he could be, to be the most uh, conscious person that he could be and how he chose to live his life. I found that to be, I, I mean, to me, that was, that was, uh, you know, it was more like a spiritual practice. Uh -huh. um, and, and in many ways it, it, he mirrored that. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I believe people are in the spaces that they're in, including myself, in any given time, uh, one to have that experience and the other to grow either away from that and into something better or to be in that space and expand in that space. Um, and then, so I, I can't really say anybody's right or wrong. I just believe if you believe it and you live what you believe, that's mm -hmm. the testimony. Yeah, I guess from from talking with a couple of them, I I think I understand it differently. I mean, I think when I used to think about atheism, it gave me the creeps to think of kind of being here and oh, we're all alone and there's no there's no anything out there. There's just we're all alone and here we are. And now I guess what I hear them saying is they don't believe in a deity. Um, they'd still believe in at least these couple of people I'm thinking of. They still, like you described, they're very spiritual. They don't believe that there's a specific order. And I guess I take it kind of like maybe they don't believe in Santa Claus. Like there's not a, a bearded, <laughs> bearded uh, man up there who's going to, come down uh, the chimney or out of the sky, but they still believe, at least one of them I know, still believes in an essence that yes. runs through everything. Right. And that I really like. It's an, it, To me, it is, you've heard me say, it's an it. <laughs> and I like that. Yeah. Um, I, I like that too. Uh, and, and thank you for asking that question, Debbie. Not, not too many people have ever asked me that question. <laughs> it raises... Oh, let's say, how do I do this without uh, <laughs> <laughs> the reverend going to speak on atheism, right? Oh. Uh, it, uh, you know, I look at the history. Now I'm talking about the history of the misuse of religion. Mm -hmm. 
you know, whether we're talking about the Christian religion or or any religion, I I I know more about the Christian religion, so I'll speak from that. It's not. It's 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 been used in many ways, uh, in a in a very bad way. Um, you know, I think about the uh, popes in the 14th, 13, 14, 15 century, who uh, aligned with the hierarchy the hierarchy in different countries created the papal bulls that spoke to uh, if the sailors went out and they were sailing for the country and they found a land and indigenous people were there, they could be killed, raped, whatever, uh, that it, they would be absolved by God for, for their, uh, because they weren't human beings anyway. I think of slavery. I think of women's you know what the, the the whole women's suffrage movement mm. and what that means, uh, and the ways that religion often plays up uh, the how do I say it? Sometimes to me is so dangerous. Mm -hmm. it, it can easily diminish others mm -hmm. and then makes it okay uh, for the behavior that happens that is very painful and tragic. Yeah. Uh, for those who are on the other end. So as I think about atheism, uh, particularly in the context of the gentleman that I spoke to you about, he was the most loving and kind person. I know very soft-spoken, uh, was very clear about what he valued and lived those values. Uh, I can understand how some people can step outside of the church and say, um, I don't find God here. Now, mm -hmm. um, I, I believe that one of the things that we'll have a lot of work to do in terms of religion uh, in this country and perhaps around the world is to look at how we, how we make choices now to bring everyone into the circle, not to exclude mm -hmm. anyone and to get away from from damning and condemning people just because of of of, of what they're what they are self presenting mm -hmm. uh, in terms of who they love and and what race or or you know what they come from you know who they come from or who they are attached to whatever their beliefs are i think that this time gives us a great opportunity to begin to ask those questions and live those questions uh, so I can understand how religion um, can be both the answer to the problem as uh, the answer to the question of who are we as a as a godly being, but also question the question. Mm -hmm. You know, make us go deeper. If I'm going to church and I'm hearing about hell and damnation and I'm not knocking anybody's religion, I'm speaking my experience, I immediately want to get up and leave. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's a big question. I think that faith and religion uh, is always a question for us. And I think we end up in churches that mirror what we believe. So uh, for the most part, uh, I'm I'm a new thought minister and uh, I am very comfortable in a new thought church that is speaking inclusivity mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and, and, and learning to grow together and find ways that we can help uh, frame things in a way that uplifts 
all of us because in the end, you know, that that for me, God is everything and we're part of God. So we're everything. So mm-hmm. how do we live the love that we talk about? How do we live the life that is the example of love? Sorry yeah. for going on and on. I just got caught yeah. in that. No, thank you. Good. That's that's wonderful. And I, yeah, I I like that. I've often felt like we really have more in common with others of other faiths and beliefs if we choose to focus on that, which is typically what I what I do when I'm around various people that believe differently. I'd rather look at what we have in common. Some don't want to do that, but um, that is, yeah. And and how can we include? I mean, to me, the the whole thing with the blind men and the elephant is is really to say the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. So how can we how can we enlarge our capacity to take in the whole? That's right. To take That's in the whole. Yeah. There's a a lot of um, belief out there that life is. Um, is hard. This is almost like a two or a three part question that life is hard uh, that, you know, it's, we're, we're here to suffer and, you know, that uh, it's just the way it is. And also that being spiritual means making sacrifices. Mm. And what do you think about any of that? Well, it seems like earth is a school <laughs> you think I'm here to to learn and uh but i i don't see it as as a burden i don't i don't think i have to suffer to be a good person um i believe we find the joy in we can find joy in almost anything does that mean there won't be trials and tribulations no i think there are and i think often it's like, you know, building a, uh, making a beautiful piece of a wood carving. You got to sand down that stuff that's, you know, that <laughs> you know, uh, needs to come off. Uh, but in the end, you see something beautiful. So I don't believe that we're here to suffer in any kind of way. I think we're here to live and to learn how to make choices that ultimately lead to to the best choices. Now, all of us don't have an easy, easy life. Now that's certainly, and you ask yourself, you know, why did that happen to that person? Or, you know, why is that that person's situation? But again, the love is there for all experiences. And um, I just don't believe we're, we're here to suffer. I believe we're here to rise up. And no matter what you know, what shape, form, size, or ability, or whatever we have, we're here to live the experience. And I guess you may as well make the most of it because we're not going to leave till our time is up. And so, uh, you know, go for the gusto is what I always say. I mm-hmm. think life is a beautiful thing. I, I also don't believe life ends. This, this uh, earth suit that I have is what allows me to be in this environment, of course, but I think there's a bigger part of me that that once I drop this earth suit and move on to whatever the next iteration is, you know, it's like high five in God and say, all oh, right, God, mm-hmm. I did that. Now, what's next? Yeah. You know, um, so I believe that life continues. Uh, but I'm not minimizing the fact that we all go through tough things sometimes. You know, we all go through 
some challenging things. Uh, and we can get caught in that and stay in that space. And, and some of us lose our, you know, die on because we, we couldn't see beyond that. We couldn't realize that there was another possibility. Uh, and I'm, I'm going for the gusto. Let me just mm -hmm. say that. Mm -hmm. I'll talk about what, you know, what decisions we make and how, how we connect with the good stuff and the bad stuff. But in the end, it's sort of an individual kind of choice, isn't it? When we make mm -hmm. a choice to stay or go, um, I've been around many people who've made transitions and it's, it's a phenomenal thing to observe and to be a part of that process. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I'm just choosing to, to hang in here as long as I can. I want to mm -hmm. get everything out of this life that I can. I don't want to leave here and say, man, I wish I could have. Uh -uh. I'll, I'll leave here saying I'm going to high five somebody because I lived this life. You know, it doesn't mean I didn't have hard times, but I sure lived. I squeezed everything I could mm -hmm. out of this washcloth. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I see a lot of spiritual centers or churches, and maybe they've always, maybe this has always been the case, but it does seem like many of them have a lot of friction, a lot of. Uh, a lot of things going on, uh, rivalry going on in them. And it's, it's kind of interesting because I think there are people who think, well, that's a, that's a church or that's a center. They should be getting along. And yet that's not always what's happening. Can you talk about that? Uh, you know, there's, Lots of ways to talk about that, Debbie. Uh, <laughs> but I think that a church is an interesting space. Uh, we come to church, many of us looking for spirituality, uh, looking for connection. And I think the ego, again, you know, we, you started out talking about the mm -hmm. ego. We can get very easily uh tricked by our ego in the thinking that our way is the only way and if if a cent there has to me in order for a church or any organization to work there has to be a center that can hold really strong as people move through the various ego relationships they have with the church and um i th and, and and so it it takes a strong leader to help a church move from an ego-based perception, individual ego-based perception to a loving space perception where we may not always agree, but you know we really know this is, we're all headed in a direction we wanna go. That's a choice we make. Mm -hmm. So until uh, we can see ourselves beyond our ego, then I think, uh, why not have a church be a place where everybody gets to, 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 to play the ego game because that's where they're supposed to learn and grow. So on a way, in a way it's, it's, it has a positive aspect in the terms of being able to, uh, allow people to express themselves, uh, and then see their evolution in that process. Uh, a church can be destroyed by it when there's not a willingness on the part of the uh, uh, members of the church or a strong enough leader to help pull, be there to pull the group together ultimately. Um, I think that is, is always a challenge 
for a religious institution, how to hold the center strong enough so that the church can live and thrive in the principles and practices that it it espouses. Uh, so it's not, um, you know, it, if you want to see conflict, get everybody in one church, try to hold on to them for, you know, for, <laughs> for a couple of months and see what happens or however long. Uh, so it's not necessarily uh, a negative thing. Uh, it's just that in spirituality, you know, people have very different perceptions. And um, so we have to learn. We have to learn. And I think one of the important things about uh, a spiritual center or a church is how do we create an environment that allows expression without judgment? Mm -hmm. You know, how do we allow expression without judgment? And how do we allow growth beyond the ego into our true humanity? Those, those are two questions that I've pondered as I've observed, um, you know, observed how organizations work and especially churches, because it's much more compressed, you know, in a way. Isn't it a lot like a family where there are often dysfunctional families. And, and I think within our relationships in our just, I don't, I don't think we're taught in just naturally in our upbringing, how to communicate non-judgmentally or how to perceive that way. And so to become better at doing those things, it just seems like those are things that go a long way to improve relationships between us, any of us in our world. Yeah. And I think in, in, in our, in, in religion period, uh, especially if you look across, even just in our state and, and around the world, um, it is often division or divisiveness is is a, a sometimes a cornerstone of a church you believe my way or not and if you don't you're going to hell mm -hmm. uh, that's the extreme version of it how do sure. we go from there to being loving and kind you know and open to each other in the here and now um that's questions that i ask everybody's different everybody mm -hmm. is strong in their faith when they are a part of a, a center or a church and i honor that uh but I also know that there there are there are ways that I choose to be different, and that doesn't mean I'm right. It just means that that's my choice. I really side on the area that uh, on the side that we can express differently, we can believe differently. But how do we come together to make a difference? What is our collective? You know, we have the individuals, but you know, how do we come together as a body? to not only be better for ourselves, but for the world around us. Now, a lot of people don't believe that that's a part of spirituality. And, and but, you know, I'm really clear on what I feel mm -hmm. and I can only speak to what I feel. You know, if I speak outside of that, I'm just sharing something I've read, but it may not be my experience. Uh, but, I think that yeah. community is a way we grow. And, and sometimes we are ready to grow and sometimes we're not. But in a way, this is really how you started today when we talked about ego and you said, you know, it's so important to do things that add to making it a better world versus just being kind of self-serving. I don't think you use that word, but, and you didn't use the word control, but 
Um, you know, I remember being in a private school in my junior year in high school, <clears throat> and the headmaster said, you bet this is a dictatorship. This is my school. And as long as you're here, we're going to do it my way. <laughs> oh, well, that was clear, huh? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of how, you know, what we you were saying in the very beginning without pointing any fingers or anything like that, but just that that going from that to what is it that is more inclusive? What is it that helps to make it a better world? And, you know, I would think that would, I would think that would be what a church or a center would do optimally, but not necessarily, not necessarily. I mean, we, you know, we, I think about our language, our language mm -hmm. structure, the words we have, mm -hmm. or we have created a language system that looks for division. In fact, mm -hmm. often we define ourselves by who we're not mm -hmm. more than who we are. Mm -hmm. And so when that's a foundation that we're building on, it takes a whole lot of unlearning to relearn that it's not just about me, it's about us. You know, I look at my my Hawaiian family in, in, in Lahaina that just burned to the ground. I mean, you know, my dear beloved sister friend, Apila, amazing woman. Mm -hmm. uh, she was lived in a house with all these magnificent artifacts of her husband was one of the, the last surviving traditional Hawaiian uh, uh, woodworkers. And I mean, he did everything from building canoes by hand that were traditional canoes, uh, 67 feet long. So I'm not talking about just little things. Wow. Two small things, making lamp uh, shades mm. out of making the wood so thin that you could actually use it as as a um, as a lampshade, and all the traditional artifacts. I mean, all of that was gone in just a few minutes. Wow! So oh I look gosh. at what we're going through right now, mm -hmm. and I've been in. We've been in hurricanes. We've been in all kinds of situations. And what happens initially when something like that happens to a community? you know, um, is that people come together. Mm -hmm. They don't really care about differences. Mm -hmm. Their lives depend on them coming together. I think love shows up in such a big way. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's unfortunate that we have to have a catastrophe in our communities or in our families and our churches, what have you, for people to begin to come together. Hold on. And so... Um, I, I believe that that gives us a sense of when we're doing well, we go back to our silos. I started out talking about silos. Those, mm -hmm. make, you know, we go back to those silos, and that's where we choose to reside. Um, the greatest thing that I've seen in my lifetime is just how do we all create a space that we can be loving and kind with one another. And when we need to, to to be the opposite of that, we can let it go and then be supported in finding our way back. Mm -hmm. We tend to like the division of the language that we use. I mean, we define things by breaking them apart. Look at the scientific method. You break it down to its smallest denomination to figure out what it is. Yeah. You know, maybe what it is is what it is in its wholeness. 
you know? Yeah. What it yeah. is, is, is the way it, whatever it is shows up every day. Mm-hmm. And that's something to be honored and to love. Yeah. So I, I guess what I'm saying, Debbie, is life is a process. Yeah. No, it's a process. It's, mm-hmm. it's who I show up to be and, and what I show up to be, whether I'm doing it in love or in ignorance. Um, you know, I get to travel that, you know, to, to travel that inward journey to find the best of who I can be. And some of us do that very well. And some of us struggle to do that. And to be able to almost like a photographer, be aware, what are the pictures I'm taking or what are, what are, what are the cards I'm holding or what, what is my process? Not just what is other people's process or the world out there. I I mean, I think we can, we can, I can learn a lot from how I recognize what other people are doing, but to look at, Hmm, what, what has been my choice or what has been my way of responding? And could I do, could I do that differently? Could I do that better? Yeah. 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 I think you're absolutely right. And how do we, you know, judgment is a big, a big thing. It's a big, uh, when I say big thing, it has a very negative impact mm-hmm. on so many levels. I, I work really hard to ask myself, okay, are you judging? <laughs> are you judging or are you allowing? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I the like most that. important question we could ask each judging other. Judging or allowing. Even I like ourselves. That. Am I judging mm-hmm. or allowing? Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Well, those are the questions that I had in my mind. Um, I'm curious, A, if you have other things you want to say about anything, and and B, I want to know, when are you speaking again, either at SEC, do you know, and or uh, one of those wonderful programs at the library that I've heard you do and was telling somebody about them yesterday? Oh, thank you, Debbie. I appreciate that. Um, I I am speaking at at different churches. You know, when I'm invited to do so, okay. I'll be this Sunday in Fort Walton Beach at, okay. the, at the Unity Church, which I we we just mm-hmm. had such a good time there. Yes, um, I also will be speaking at the Spiritual Enrichment Center, which you know I love and care for. Yes. Uh, in September. Good, uh, good. In, yeah, in September. So I'm looking forward to that opportunity. Excellent. With my church family, uh, who means so much to me. I'll Uh, be speaking at both in September as well. Oh, well, good. I'll be back in Fort Walton the end of the month and and at at SEC the beginning of the month. Fantastic. But I'm so happy that you'll be there speaking. And what, what about another library program? Because... Wow. Do you ever pull out the stops on those? And I would love, uh, I can think of somebody that I'd love to invite when you do one of those again. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll uh, thank you for asking me that. I hadn't thought about that, but mm. uh, I certainly can think of a lot of things I'd like to, uh, I, I'm very interested right now in, in the maritime history of women and, uh, and African-Americans uh, prior to the 1800s. Mm. Uh, and I, I'm surprised at what I'm learning. It's amazing. Uh, I don't know that that's a history people really know much no. about. I As I get more, uh, uh, you know, steeped in that, 
that might be something I'd like to uh, uh, bring to the library. Good, um, good. Yeah. Well, I hope wherever you do it, I hope you continue teaching classes because you sure do shine that way as well. And, you know, I just felt like in the last, uh, you always were a good teacher. Um, and maybe in the last few months, I don't know how much of it was curriculum shifting or you just saying, okay, it's time to really let, you know, that creativity be, but what you brought in helping other people to open up more and share to me, that's just so needed. And, um, you know, I, I look forward to you teaching more classes. Well, thank you so much, Debbie. I, I will certainly, um, Keep that in mind and see what we can, what, what little things we can get in trouble with, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We can stir it up. Let's it stir it up. up. Yeah. yeah. I'll yeah. get in trouble, get in trouble with you anymore. What yeah. else? What else is newsworthy? Well the, well, the biggest news for me is, you know, I've been working on this new project called Redemption Voyage, where we will be taking 18 to 24 uh, graduate students between the ages of 21 and 28 on a journey of a lifetime as we'll be sailing out of the Mobile Bay, uh, which is uh, near Africatown, where the first, the last ship that brought Africans over to the United States for slavery, that was in the 1860s, uh, sailed from Benin here. We're going to be reversing that journey. We're going to be sailing to Benin and then going up the coast of Africa to uh, several countries, ending in Senegal and coming back to mm -hmm. the U.S. Uh, this all takes place in 2026. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we come back, we'll be coming back in the midst of the quincentennial celebration, 250 years of independence of this country. And we'll have a ship escort and we're going to be celebrating. And, and these young people will have uh, STEAM projects that they're working on, science, technology, engineering, arts and math, just different ones are working on different projects and they'll be getting college credit. So there'll be serious projects they'll be working mm. on. And uh, we're joining with some of the oceanographic studies groups. We're studying, we're joining with uh, doing some real innovative things, uh, actually, uh, you know, creating stuff that doesn't exist right now and creating portals for young people, no matter where they are in the world, to be having a live experience of the journey as we go forward so lots of things that are happening and what the artists are planning are just amazing so i'm excited about that debbie it's a big project it's a lot of work mm -hmm. uh but it's going to be an amazing journey as we do this in the in the in the context of illuminating freedom wow yeah, that's great. So what will you specifically be doing? Are you are you designing it? Are you going to be um, doing, you know, a lot of addressing to these students? What will you be? We're actually my role is I had the vision for it. So I'm the vision mm -hmm. keeper. OK. And I'm sort of the uh, CEO of it all. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what we're doing in terms of the, I, I'm not qualified to be an instructor at that level. We are actually working with 18 HCB, I mean, historically black colleges and universities uh, okay. where we're recruiting the students from and actually recruiting the instructors from. Uh, we are 
are submitting uh, proposals to a lot of places, including the National Geographic and, and other Oceanographic Society as well, and others uh, for funding and support. So um, it's something that in my eye and in my heart, I see becoming a really amazing journey. I see a I see a movie coming out of this or a documentary, something right. to that effect, sharing this experience because it's going to be amazing. So my role is really sort of the I'm I'm the vision keeper and uh, doing everything I can to make sure that that happens. And of course, Karen is is always with me, helping and supporting me in terms of staying. You know, not burning myself out. I have a bad habit of pushing so hard. So uh, I'm learning to pace myself and yet at the same time learning that as I do, sometimes I'm even more effective. How about that? Love it. Well, yeah, I think it gives me the feeling of you keeping a schedule where you actually schedule time for you both in there or time for rest or time for just however you choose to spend it. That's kind of not booked in it's booked by you for you but it's not filled up with other people and so much stuff is that happen right yeah that yeah. sounds right that's but it's something deep in my heart so it, know. it gives me great joy to see it beginning to uh you know come into fruition yeah and i imagine between now and what did you say 2026 there's going to be a lot of work yes. to do Yes, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Well, that's wonderful. Well, I'm I'm thrilled, thrilled to have you here. And um, I know Karen is always um, right there in the background and in the foreground. Karen, do you have anything to add about what you want people to know? Just continue to get the best out of your life by doing that that, that makes you happy, you know, to to enjoy life. Life is not mm -hmm. here just for us to uh, do all of those things that are scheduled to do. And, you know, but yeah. you have to enjoy life at its fullest with, within us. Because mm -hmm. we do a lot of things that we're called to do, but we don't always do them. So I think this is a time in life now that we, we acknowledge the calling that we have and whatever those gifts we have that we are not using. I think it's time for us to begin to use those gifts. Because as you say, you know, time is not promised to us. We don't know how long this life ends and, and lasts, but we know that it will go on within our being. And also, um, I have, uh, I just created, I just brought out a new album called Timeless. And it is filled with uh, music that is uplifting, uh, music that's for, music for thought, makes you think, uh, music to enjoy yourself music to dance by, dance in, in spirit or dance however makes you feel good. It's just, it's, it's life-giving music. That's what my uh, goal was when I created it, to help people to be, uh, to enjoy life and to look at life in a different way. So well, and, yeah. yeah, it's music you wrote, right? Yes, it's all, right. Mm -hmm. it's, all, it's all music that I wrote. And it's music that you've used to heal yourself. Right, healing yeah. music. Also, because uh -huh. writing music is a healing process for me. Mm -hmm. It's part of my healing process when I can create. You know, the, the blessing is that um, I'm a vocalist as well. Not only did I just, you know, write the music, I sing as well. Mm -hmm. And it is a blessing because of the um, healing experience I had of throat cancer. 
that I have miraculously through doctors and prayer, I was able to come through that. So I see it as being a gift to me. And for me not to use that gift would be not the thing to do. Has so anyone the, come to you for healing yet? And during this time recently, no, but I had had people, yes, I, in those times come to heal for healing. Yeah. Yeah, I think they they will. And um and how can people get your CD? They can go Band to Bandcamp. Band it's where it's uh, um to get it from Bandcamp. Yeah. How do you Band spell? Ask for uh Timeless on Bandcamp and uh Karen Hunter Watson and the music comes up. You can you can buy the whole the whole piece, the whole album or you can select the songs that you like best. How do you spell this band camp? How do you spell that? B-A-N-D-C-A-M-P. Okay, band camp. Is it bandcamp.com? Uh, yes. Just one second. Yep, it's, it's bandcamp.com. Okay, and then to look for Timeless? T-I-M-E-L-E-S-S. -S. Okay, look for that. Okay. All right. Well, that's great. Yes, it's, it's bandcamp.com. Okay. I mean, yeah, bandcamp.com. And you oh. can also go to my website, which is karenhunterwatson.us. Okay. Very good. karenhunterwatson.us. All right. Very good. And Audrey, you have your website as well, right? Yes, AudreyScottWilliams.com. I mean, okay. yeah, dot com. And it's yeah. Audrey, A-U-D-R-I. Right, it is, yeah. So I invite you there or Facebook, wherever. I, I think I'm on a few few platforms. Uh, <laughs> so I try to keep it up to date so that you can, anyone who's interested can learn more about the work that we're doing and have done. Good. So thank you for, thank you for uh, asking us that. Yeah, <laughs> So I correspond a lot with people on Facebook. That's I know. Yes. Yeah. Good. Very good. I have something I want to say, and that is how much I appreciate you, Debbie. How mm. much I appreciate you continuing to, you know, have communication be such an important part of your life's work. You have so much information and so much knowledge and wisdom that you share that I've just always mm -hmm. enjoyed being around you. I love, uh, you just have such a contemporary uh, way of looking at the world and bringing things together. And you speak your voice. You say what you feel that you need to say. And I appreciate that. And and I, I just want you to know how valued you are in our community. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you, you both. Thank you for being you. Oh, thank you. Thank you each and both. I love you both. And um, I'm just glad we're all connected. And, you know, it, it's, it's great to, to grow together and to grow in becoming even more used to each other and sharing in that journey. And I just hope we, we have many more times of doing things together, having fun, making good trouble. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> Miss Des went to the store yesterday and said that wonderful bread that you guys call crack was like seven dollars a loaf. And I said, Well, it's time for me to make it. So hey, there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, if I end up making it, I'll split it into two loaves and make sure you get one. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's some good stuff. <laughs> it is. Well, right, my thank, you, well, thank you so much for uh, giving us an opportunity to have this time with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm just glad to know, you know, that you're still both out there. Of course you would be and doing great things. And I hope to get together with you soon. We just, we need to have some meals together and, yes, we and do. all those good things. Yes, absolutely. Love you. Love you.